The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning and welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. What does a master storyteller see that the rest of us don't? I'm your host, Kate Ebner, and today we're going to talk about storytelling and what it takes to lead major creative initiatives with someone I consider to be a true Renaissance man, Rick Bowers. I've had the pleasure to work with Rick closely in the past at Life Reimagined Institute of AARP, and I'm just delighted that he's joining me on the air today. Welcome, Rick. Uh, Kate, great to talk to you. Well... Rick, I would like to start off, as we always do, with sharing a bit of your background and experience with our listeners today. Um, I'll say some of it and let you say more of it. But um, to give some background, um, Rick is the Vice President for Innovation at the Life Reimagined Institute of AARP, where he inspires teams to achieve results and seize on new opportunities to fulfill Life Reimagined's mission. And what that really means is that Rick is the person who connects ideas with um, execution, really the process of creating a vehicle by which people can reimagine their lives. Rick has a keen eye for spotting a great story. He's combined with his creative vision. This allows him to bring together just the right combination of narrative, media, and talent to achieve extraordinary results. And one of your most notable achievements, Rick, is Voices of Civil, Civil Rights, a far-reaching multimedia program that formed the world's largest archive of first-hand accounts of the civil rights movement. It's now housed in the library of Congress. Rick produced the project and the documentary version of which won the Emmy and Peabody Awards. The website won a Webby Award. Rick's also had a long career in journalism and his writing's been featured in such publications as the Washington Post, USA Today, and Time Magazine. He's written two award-winning nonfiction books that have been turned into PBS documentaries and educational iPad app, and we'll get the chance to talk about these books on the show today. I'm also looking forward, Rick, to asking you about how your creative process works. But first, I want to ask you a little bit to tell us a little bit about your current role at the Life Reimagined Institute. Can you tell us what it means to be the VP for innovation at the Life Reimagined Institute of AARP? Yes, so Life Reimagined is a major new initiative from AARP. The idea is that we all find ourselves in a really complex world. We never really could have predicted we would uh, be here in the place we are in this day and age. Uh, and we're all navigating a new reality that uh, has to do with, you know, the fast pace of technology and globalization. All these things make our world more complex than we ever really imagined it could be. But on the other hand, it creates all kinds of opportunity. So Life Reimagined is a new program that just helps people get to wherever it is 
they want to get to. So it's your life, it's your choice, you're figuring out your next step, and Life Reimagined is there to help you get there. So we have a book out called Life Reimagined, written by Richard Leiter and Alan Weber. We have a website at lifereimagined.org, and again, it's all to help people navigate where they are now in life in these complex times we live in. So my role in all of that is to come up with what's new from Life Reimagined. Life Reimagined in itself is a very new idea, very much rooted in uh, the times we live in, very much rooted in the individuals we are, uh, but within that new idea, we need a constant flow of new innovations. So I have a team that is always looking ahead to what's next. Well, thank you for, for explaining that and for sharing that. And, you know, what's new at Life Reimagined, you know, I, I think, you know, I've observed, Rick, that you you often are a scout for innovation, you know, out front looking at, you know, what's new in technology, the ideas that are rising out of conversation and out of um, trends and just, you know, out of what's happening, you know, in the nation. Um, you're somebody who seems to put your finger on the pulse. Um, I'm curious, before we start to talk a little bit about um, these books that you've written, I wanted to just ask you, how do you see yourself, Rick? I mean, if you were to meet somebody at a cocktail party and explain what you do, what would, how, what would you say? Well, I like the way you introduced me because you introduced me as a storyteller. And I think at the end of the day, that's what I am really, really am. Um, I worked for years as a daily journalist for newspapers. So every day there was a story. Every day there was a deadline. And I just conditioned myself to look for great stories. And at some point, I went beyond the story. And I thought, uh, well, if I can invent a good story, maybe I can invent a whole new newspaper, right? So uh, we kind of started thinking bigger and bigger and bigger And what I found is that there's always a great idea somewhere. And it's usually a great idea that someone will mention in the course of talking about something else. You'll read. uh, It won't be the headline, but it'll be the 10th paragraph in of something you read. Uh, It'll be the intersection of two important trends. So we live in this marvelous age where technology can do things we never could have imagined. Uh, And that means that a lot of things have to be reinvented with the power of technology behind it. But at the same time, people want to live their lives. They don't want to be slaves to computers. They don't want to be slaves to their devices, although sometimes it seems we are. So I just look for interesting intersections, especially intersections with the things that make us human and the technology that allows us to do new things. And, um, you know, I'm just, uh, I keep a list of great ideas and I just wait for the right moments for those, uh, for the time to be right to really push that particular idea forward. Well, I, I, you said so much right there that all, all of which is interesting to me, but let me, let me just go with this intersection between two trends. And uh, can you give us an example of a great idea that, you know, was born at the intersection of two trends. Mm -hmm. Sure enough. Well, I think Life Reimagined is a great idea. 
So what uh, we needed at AARP was a new idea, a fresh approach. And we looked around and saw a number of trends converging. One around technology that on the one hand was giving us all this ability to do new things and on the other hand seemed to be dominating us in some ways. Another was the whole movement toward a global marketplace where suddenly we could interact with people all around the world and that was changing everything. Um, another was aging. So people were getting older. The baby boomers were turning 60. But they were so different than their parents. They were so much more engaged in uh, life and looking forward to many more decades of life in most cases. So that whole trend was happening and that whole reality had changed. And by looking at these and other trends, these new realities that we were all living, we decided to put a product right in the intersection, a guidance system for helping people navigate these new realities. And the evidence is that people want that guidance system. People want that ability to uh, figure out their own pathway forward. People want to look at the next 20, 30, 40 years and optimize that time. So uh, that's one idea. Um, another idea was uh, the idea I had for Voices of Civil Rights. So that was a case in which I wanted to do something around the civil rights movement because as a storyteller, it just felt that that was a very dramatic period in our history. That was a time when people stood up, uh, often took risks that were not even associated with their own self-interest. Sometimes people were standing up for others uh, because they felt others had been deprived their equal rights. So there was just a lot going on back in the 50s and 60s around civil rights that uh, was an important story to tell. And at the same time, I realized that technology had created the opportunity to communicate in new ways and also the opportunity to store information in new ways, to create archives in ways that were not possible previously. So by intersecting those two things, I came up with the idea that we should go out and collect the stories of the civil rights movement, the stories of the little people who might have taken part in a march, been arrested, moved to the front of the bus. Whatever it was, I felt like there must be thousands of stories out there that would be really interesting stories, and with the power of the Internet, we could share those stories internationally and save those stories in ways that would be searchable and easy to find. So I just started doing a little research, which I always do in these cases, and uh, oops, the world forgot to collect the stories of the civil rights movement. There was no national archive of stories of individuals who took part in the civil rights movement. 
And mm-hmm. that was kind of another twist in that our, our view of the civil rights movement was things were bad. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King came along, showed us things were wrong, pointed a new way. Unfortunately, he was killed, but everything got better, which, of course, is not at all an accurate uh, depiction of what really went on. So there was, uh, there was an opportunity to tell the story from a different point of view, the point of view of the, uh, the little person. And it was the acts of thousands and thousands of little people that actually made the big difference. So mm-hmm. make a long story short, we collected the stories, we put the stories on the web, we archived the stories for history uh, at the Library of Congress, we um, wrote a book, made a documentary, uh, magazines, etc., and uh, essentially saved an essential part of the civil rights movement for future generations. But That's again, it was the, the intersection of those ideas that made it possible and the fact that the time was just right for that to happen. So there are a lot of ideas, but the dynamics are not always right for a particular idea to happen. Well, I, I think that's a, a, a great insight and one for us to pick up with after the break. Um, Rick, thank you so much for, uh, for sharing that. That's a great, I mean, that's really helpful to hear you describe um, Voices of the Civil Rights and also the life reimagined, um, how, how those trends intersected and created this incredible opportunity. And, and uh, can't wait to hear more from you. We're going to take a break right now. You're listening to Kate Ebner talking with Rick Bowers today. This is Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. We'll be right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. 
stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. This is Kate Ebner, and I'm delighted to have Rick Bowers on the show with me today. Rick is the author of two award-winning books, as well as Vice President for Innovation at Life Reimagines Institute at AARP. He leads strategic initiatives with a combination of great creative acumen and also an instinct for for the, the trend of the moment and what people need. And, you know, Rick, as you were talking before we took the last break, I, I really uh, remembered about you that so often you really are looking for ideas that serve the little guy or everybody. You know, there's a, there's a, um, there's a, a quality about you that sort of seeks the thing that would benefit a lot of people or, or humanity. And I wanted to just, I'm just curious about that. Tell tell me a little bit about what makes an idea compelling for you. Well, again, I come back to your introduction because you called it uh, creativity with purpose. And uh, you know me too well because you sized me up there with one line. But, um, you know, the purpose part is really important to me and I think to a lot of people, even though sometimes we can't articulate it, uh, there has to be something that makes you get up in the morning and go to work. And uh, for me, that something is an idea that's bigger than just me or bigger than just a paycheck, an idea that has some kind of uh, profound meaning, meaning for our society, some kind of meaning for individuals. So uh, I just always gravitate toward those kinds of ideas I think those are the ideas most people are interested in anyway, Um, and it's the reason I've had a lot of successful projects and I'm not a millionaire, right, because I'm not out inventing the next piece of technology that's going to change business, but I am out about uh, uh, trying to find that thing that is human at a fundamental level and that uh, people will be better for knowing. And it's not so much I want to improve individuals one by one. I think individuals are great. I don't think most people need improving. But I think we all want a richer understanding of what it means to be human. And, you know, that's what I try to bring about in some of these ideas and some of these programs. Well, you know, that connection with purpose and and, um, the sense that, you know, what serves us, what serves one of us serves all of us, you know, is just, it really comes through. You, you wrote two books, both of which I've read and, and really enjoyed and learned so much from. One is called Spies of the Mississippi and the other Superman versus the Ku Klux Klan, 
both about the civil rights movement. What drew you to tell these stories in particular? Let's start with Spies of the Mississippi, which is now also an award-winning documentary. So Spies of Mississippi, yes, that was uh, that was quite a project, and it continues to be quite a project. And that was somewhat of an uh, extension of the Voices of Civil Rights project, uh, but different. Uh, <clears throat> with Voices of Civil Rights, I... I received all those thousands of stories of people who somehow took part in the civil rights movement, people who were arrested, people who moved to the front of the bus when they were told to sit in the back, uh, people who went to jail um, overnight but never forgot the experience. So with that in mind, um, I just became fascinated with that whole piece of history. And I had an opportunity a few years ago to get an eight-week hiatus from work with pay. Wow. So I thought, well, we have to make the most of that. So I had a lot of plans to have fun on these eight weeks, but I also wanted to have a purpose. And I had always wanted to write a book and just never had time. I was always too busy. So I set out to find a story that I thought would make a good book. And what I was... What I came across was an obscure article on the Internet that talked about an organization that existed back in the 50s and 60s called the Mississippi State Sovereignty Commission, which sounded innocuous enough, but this short little obscure article went on to explain that it was the state of Mississippi's secret spy organization set up to undercut the civil rights movement and that this organization was under the control of the governor. It had essentially secret agents infiltrating civil rights groups, infiltrating civil rights meetings, keeping files on anyone who was even suspected of supporting equal rights for African Americans at that time. And uh, the more I looked into it, the more I learned what an incredibly important story this was. And I also learned that this secret spy network, uh, funded totally by the taxpayers of Mississippi, uh, kept all its records. So there were 140,000 pages of spy reports. Uh, Today we're following Martin Luther King. Tomorrow, we're tracking Medgar Evers. Tomorrow, we're sharing information with the Ku Klux Klan. So I was just astounded by these documents. But also astounded, again, this is what I love about history. Oops, nobody told the world this ever happened, right? Another big gap in history that just needed to be filled. So, um, and then comes the part of the story that always has to be there, the kind of serendipity part. So I was actually at a uh, birthday party, um, and a friend of mine who works at National Geographic was there, and she's a book editor at National Geographic. So I told her about my uh, summer off and what I wanted to do, and she immediately signed me up for that book. 
so again, everything just converged. It was the right time, the right place, the right people, and I was able to write that book, get that story out into the world, and at the same time start the process of uh, starting a documentary that would follow the book. So Spies of Mississippi, out there in the world, important story told. A lot of people now know um, what went on. And uh, <clears throat> again, it's fun to do the story. It's fun to come up with the idea. But <clears throat> it's an idea that has purpose Mm-hmm. Uh, baked right into it, and that's always an important part of what I'm doing. And with that particular story, I I know that you know it's you, you've captured it. It's now told, and we can we can all watch it. We can all read the book and and learn from it. What made that story so important to you? Like, what was it that you wanted to make sure didn't get lost? Um. Well, there were a number of things. One, the role of the state of Mississippi as an actual participant in shutting down the rights of people. So this is not a participant in just keeping the status quo of segregation in the 50s and 60s. This was a participant in actual events that led to great injustices to individuals and to groups. This is an organized state actually making it a policy to invade its citizens' privacy to keep 50% of the population in a uh, state of second-class citizenship. That was part of it. But there was a bigger part. And this I can tell with the story of Clyde Kennard. Clyde Kennard was a young man who was born in Mississippi, but whose family sent him to Chicago to have a chance at going to a decent school. Uh, He went on to join the military, served with honor in Korea, came back to Chicago, enrolled in the University of Chicago, Uh, was an honor student, but his mother, back on their farm in Mississippi, was undergoing uh, an illness, and Clyde decided to go back and help her on the farm. At the same time, he, uh, he decided to enroll in Mississippi State College, Mississippi State University, which was an all-white school. And the State Sovereignty Commission, in cahoots with the local police, planted five bags of chicken feed in his barn and then claimed that that chicken feed had been stolen from a nearby store. He was sentenced to seven years in prison for stealing chicken feed, which he did not steal. His real crime against the state of Mississippi was to apply to go to college as a black man. And um, he died in his last year in prison, was actually let out a month early only because he was a terminal case. But uh, making stories like that known so that people understand 
that there are human ramifications of what its government does uh, is really important to me. And uh, I think a lot of people now know that story. A lot of people know that the government is capable of taking these extreme steps against its own citizenry. And, uh, you know, that was a big motivator for me to get that story out there and to get many other stories like that out there. And it continues to be a big motivator. I think you're going to see more stories like this coming from Mississippi as more research is done into what went on back in the 60s and some of these cold cases continue to be solved. Rick, I'm so glad you told that story and and gave us that window to look through to understand history. And believe it or not, it's time for our next break. Okay. So <laughs> we are going to take a break. This is Kate Ebner. Once again, I'm speaking with Rick Bowers of Life Reimagined Institute of AARP, and we will be right back. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. My guest today is Rick Bowers, a master storyteller with a keen eye 
for spotting a great story and combining it with a creative vision that allows him to bring together the right combination of narrative media and also talent to achieve extraordinary results in the form of stories that benefit all of us to pay attention to. And uh, I want to highly recommend that if you haven't seen Spies of Mississippi or read the book, um, please do. Rick was talking about it before the break, and this is eye-opening material and and really a contribution to us, Rick, that you have brought that forward. I want to ask you about your other book, which I also um, enjoyed and Uh, When I first read it, I I remember being surprised that I didn't already know it. Um, The book is called Superman versus the Ku Klux Klan, and that's another great story that you found. Tell us about that one. Yeah, that was uh, another great story. This was uh, Superman versus the Ku Klux Klan, so who knew? But Superman, the great superhero that we all know and love, was actually created by two Jewish kids in Cleveland, uh, back in the 30s, put in comic books by Jewish uh, publishers in New York and put on radio by Jewish broadcasters. And in the early days, used as a weapon against anybody who messed with the Jews. That was always kind of an underlying theme of Superman, that he was fighting for the little man, that it was really about all of us, and that all groups were... Uh, were part of the fabric of America. In fact, the early Superman was not the champion of truth, justice, and the American way, but uh, the early Superman was champion of the oppressed. At any rate, uh, after World War II, Superman needed a new arch-villain, and the producers of the Superman radio show uh, had an idea. What if Superman took on real-life villains? What if Superman took on people who preached intolerance and racial hatred and religious bigotry? And the producers of that radio show uh, did some deep research into what this could be, and it was a huge risk because Superman had a 15-minute radio show that went to 5 million kids every day. And the risk was that they would scare these kids half to death with tales of uh, lynchings and, you know, mob rule, uh, or that uh, they would be criticized by the mainstream media for taking a kid's show into territory it shouldn't be in. But they decided to go with it. And a year's worth of programming all moved toward a 16-part series called uh, The Clan of the Fiery Cross. And the Superman character actually took on the Ku Klux Klan in these 16 episodes. And in order to authenticate the scripts, the producers went to the Anti-Defamation League. And they said, well, not only do we know a lot about the Ku Klux Klan, but we have infiltrators inside the Klan. And those infiltrators became consultants to the radio show. So the wow. radio show was very authentic, to say the least. And uh, they were essentially uh, exposing the Ku Klux Klan uh, to the nation's kids, turning it into somewhat of a laughing stock. <laughs> 
nationally, uh, much to the irritation to the actual Klan members in Atlanta, Georgia, who knew that people within their ranks were leaking information to the Superman radio show. So it was just a fascinating story, but the thing I really liked about it, to come back to one of the themes we've been talking about here, is that it showed uh, how the radio producers did this thing where they, they looked at converging trends. So it was after World War II. People had just witnessed the horror of the Holocaust, yet we still had groups here in the U.S. that were preaching hatred and totalitarian concepts, not unlike the Nazis. At the same time, there seemed to be this generational shift happening where people were looking to the future of America and they wanted to move away from the past. Uh, African-American soldiers were coming back from the war saying, what about my rights here at home? So the producers were actually able to see these trends and take the huge risk of taking one of the most popular radio shows for kids and doing something extraordinary with it. So that's another reason I really liked that story. <clears throat> and it was kind of an easy book to write because I could really put myself in the place of those producers who had to do all the research, who had to get all the experts, who had to rewrite the scripts over and over again until they were just right, uh, but who also had the vision to see that the world was changing and that this one act would actually push social change as opposed to just entertaining people. So that's that story. Well, it's a great story. It's, it's great in the book form. It's great in the way that you just told it. Yeah. And it is a fascinating story. You, you mentioned the, the risk that the producers took yeah. in you know, recognizing that things were changing and, and putting this story right into the, the mainstream in, out, out to children. I mean, it, it is even today an astounding decision. And I, I want to ask you about risk as a part of the creative process. And yeah. I, you know, I, I guess my question really is, um, can you make the connection between a great idea and a risk? Most great ideas are risky. You're going to risk something. My, one of my filters is if it's not risky, it's probably not a great idea in that anybody would do it. Um, I think that uh, by the same token, it's critical to mitigate the risk. And in the uh, example of Superman versus the Ku Klux Klan, the level of research they went to was extraordinary. So they minimized the risk. But in today's world, you're not going to accomplish anything unless you do something that people are going to pay attention to. Um, so there might be a hundred ideas, but somehow one jumps out as right. One jumps out as something that needs to be done, that people will pay attention to, and the risk uh, is not so great that you would not do it. So um, I think there's always risk. 
I think that's part of the game. I think there are a lot of ideas, but it's, it's finding that one idea where the time is right, the conditions are right, the people are right, and it's just worth the risk. Thank you. Um, I am writing down what you just said <laughs> as you're saying it. I, and, you know, I know this is true because with each one of these ideas, there's always the original skeptics, right? The ones that say, well, that's a crazy idea. Why would you do that idea? Here's all the ten reasons it's not going to work. And suddenly it's like, well, it's kind of working a little bit, so maybe there is something there. Mm -hmm. And then the final element is self-evidence. Yeah, in fact, people like to adopt the idea after it's successful, right? It was their idea. So this seems to be the process we go through each time. But uh, 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 that initial uh, skepticism is kind of humorous to me now because without that, I figure... There must be something wrong with the idea if they think it will work. <laughs> well, to to um, you know, there's an, there's an objectivity I think that that you you have when you describe the creative process. In other words, you see it as a, as a process. It's outside, you know. It's you understand its movement as a process. And I also am noticing as we're talking, Rick, that you you hold a very Big view. In other words, you have the ability to, to be able to look at the place where trends intersect, or to be able to um, see the convergence. To use a word you've been using, requires, I, I think, a, a bigger view of things. Yeah. And, I, and I'd like to ask you, how do you cultivate that kind of vision? Well, I think that um, the training as a newspaper reporter for me uh, was really important. For someone else, it might be a totally different kind of thing. But, uh, you know, the ability to tell stories every day, day after day, week after week, year after year, um, really taught me the components of a good story. It also taught me the importance of a deadline. So those two things have served me well. But... um, some of the things I've been able to achieve have made a difference. Um, you know, we're not going to change the whole course of history uh, with one idea, but when we do make a contribution, it just feels really good. And, you know, I've been able to form teams, and teams have been able to work on these projects, and uh, that feels really good. So, in a way, uh, what I look for is that one idea that can take off and that we can form a team around and that we can get funding for and that we can get out into the world and inspire people with. But I've had to learn that that idea is the rare idea, that there are going to be a lot of other ideas on the list and a lot of people on the list Uh, But how do we bring the right people together around the right idea is always the question. And um, I think if you just approach things that way, uh, then lightning will strike. It's not really lightning because you're approaching it in a way to make something happen. But um, one thing I try to do is interact with people who do make things happen. So people who 
own businesses, people who create films, people who write books, people who form companies, because those are the kind of people that it takes to change things. And the other thing I do, I listen very carefully. Very few of these ideas are actually my idea alone. A lot of times it's someone else's idea that I partner with to make it happen. So that's another really important piece. Uh, And the other thing I do is just try to keep a really close ear to the ground on what's happening out there in the world. What are the new technologies that are likely to change things? What are the new attitudes that are emerging, especially among young people? Mm-hmm. Because these are the people who are actually going to change the future. Uh, you know, Rick, I hate to cut you off, but yep. unfortunately we're going to have to take oh, our last okay. break. <laughs> All right. Let's do that. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with Kate Ebner and Rick Bowers today. We'll be right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. This is Kate, and I'm talking with Rick Bowers today. We're in the final segment of our program. We're talking about creativity with purpose, which is very much what Rick is all about, as we've all been learning together. And Rick, right before the break, you were sharing um, you were sharing insights that you have developed about um, basically how to identify a, a great idea, how to know when something is 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 right. And throughout our conversation today, you've referred to kind of, there has to be this convergence of, you know, the right time, the right conditions, the right people, um, and the right work, the right, um, the right message or the right, uh, reason for the work. And I wanted to ask you, you know, one of the things you said was the hardest to, the most important was really to, to find that creative team and to bring the right people together. Could you just say a little bit about what you've learned about finding the right people and how you know? 
Well, that's always a very tricky part because nothing happens without a team. And the team starts with, uh, you know, the concept. Then the concept has to be funded. And so one of the most important people on the team is the person who's going to provide the funding, put together the business components of it, make sure that uh, revenues are generated to support the effort. Um, and that's one thing I pay a lot of attention to. I try to um, keep in my network people who have the right motivations but also have the uh, proximity to resource to make these things happen. And... Um, a lot of these people are fun to be around as well. So um, I, for example, have these dinners that I put on where I just invite people who are inquisitive, curious, and who, like me, are always looking for the next thing. And out of this uh, uh, seemingly chaotic dinner usually comes some connection that gets something going. So that's part of it. But then you need the people who are the creators, people who can take an idea and turn it into words, turn it into film, turn it into Internet uh, content. And in the digital age, this is all the more important because the idea of creating a website is now a dead idea, right? Our websites are now on our phones, and information is flowing to us wherever we are. So the creators in that space are a new breed who see things very differently than, uh, quote-unquote, the old days of the Internet, which is about five years ago. So uh, in a way, everybody on the team is a visionary in their own way. That's what you want. You want people who are visionary. You want someone who is working on the web component with a vision of where the web is going to be five years from now. You want someone working on the words with a vision of how people are going to be speaking to each other a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. So, you know, you're really looking for smart people at the end of the day, looking for smart people who get the concept and who are willing to take risks. Uh, you know, I've noticed that in circumstances where the people haven't really worked out, it's because they were afraid to take any risk. They wanted to call back the supervisor and say, well, you take the risk. Well, that doesn't work anymore. In a way, we're all a company of one, and uh, we're all part of the same effort. So that's what I look for. At the end of the day, really smart people who have a vision of where things are going in their field and who have that same spirit of wanting to make a difference with something. Let's get up in the morning and do something that matters to someone as opposed to getting up in the morning and dragging ourselves off to a job that we hate. And uh, I look for those kind of people. They're easy to find, actually, and there are a lot of them out there. There are a lot of great young people out there right now who don't want that drudgery job. They know that it's not going to be working for the same company for 30 years and getting the gold watch. Um, so they're looking for more already. So uh, this purpose revolution that's happening is great, 
and I think it's, uh, you know, it's really percolating up from younger people. When you're working creatively today, Rick, and I know that you're a writer, you're a, you're a filmmaker, you're a photographer, um, and I know you've also been working with, I don't know what the right phrase is, maybe new media. Um, you just mentioned that websites are a thing, you know, that they're yesterday's right. news. Curious. You know, yeah. So what, what is the, you know, what's the, ne- what's the next thing? Well, I'll just tell you an idea. We'll have to see if this ever comes to pass. But um, I was out in Colorado recently, and I was out on a little photo excursion, and I came across this 25-foot-tall rock ledge. And on this ledge were all these amazing uh, Native American stone carvings. So hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, Native Americans etched in stone uh, images of animals, images of people, uh, symbols showing the course of the river. These things were amazing. And it really got inside of me, and I thought, wow, we should, I should share this with the world, but how? 99.9% of the people on Earth will never get to see these petroglyphs. And I did a little research and found that, well, most of these sites are now being worn away by weather, worn away by time, destroyed by vandalism, uh, natural disasters. So we're losing the ancient works of art of humankind. So I just kept thinking about it, and then I uh, met up with a friend of mine who had a new job. He was at a large company that specialized in 3D printing. And they can print out, they can scan and print almost everything uh, and create a replica. So I said, well, could you scan and print a rock ledge and print it out on the same kind of stone? And he said, yes. So my idea is to actually replicate, replicate these awesome petroglyphs so that we can bring them to people all around the world. So, so far, so good. I have the right people interested, and uh, I know what the technology is to do it. So I think that would be a great thing to do. Now, will all the conditions line up? I don't know. It's always uh, difficult, but it's a good idea. The time is right. Uh, and the technology is there. A year ago, the technology was not there. This idea was not even possible. So we'll see. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, I I uh, I can't wait to see what yeah. happens. And you know what what occurs to me is is um, you know thank goodness that you're out there spotting these um, these great stories and these convergences of technology and opportunity you know because it's it's amazing when you think about these this ancient art being lost or not not being able to be seen yeah. and the potential to really do something with that and then the fact that you stand in the world rick with with the ability to understand what technology can do and and where we are at the leading edge and how to use it to tell these stories it's very powerful well the one thing i'll share with the audience here is that i could never do the technology. I am not a technology-minded person in that uh, 
you know, I like my cell phone, and uh, I like scanning the Internet, but, you know, I'm not a technologist, but I study the power of technology, and I study where the trends are in technology. And one of the great trends in technology is there's too much technology for most people. It's getting in the way of them being human. Uh, so uh, it's actually the smart technologies that are going to free us up from some of that. So there's all this great stuff happening in technology, but you don't have to be a computer programmer to understand what's possible. That's what's important. What's well, thank possible. You. Well, that is what's important, and I want to say thank you. We, we are actually uh, up on you. our hour right fun. now. It's been such a pleasure to have you, Rick. Uh, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Kate. Well, I can't wait to see whether this ancient art project comes <laughs> to be. <laughs> we'll stay tuned. Stay thank you tuned for listening, everyone. Okay. Take care and have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye, Kate. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life. Want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. I'm Steve, and I just opened my own barbecue restaurant. I'm the sauce master, but I'm no expert in printing. And I'm Mary. I own the UPS store in Steve's neighborhood, and I help with professional printing like flyers and posters to promote Steve's restaurant. Steve loves being 